My name is Abdurrahman Ayash, and the Muslim Brotherhood has intrigued me for as long as I can remember. In fact, my connection to the Brotherhood began before I was even born. My grandfather was a school teacher in his early 20s when he joined the group, a few years after it was founded by Hassan al-Banna, another school teacher in his early 20s. When I was four years old, I attended my first meeting, a play date with several neighborhood boys in a mosque near our home in Mansoura, an isle delta city 120 kilometers north of Cairo. For more than 16 years, I attended countless lectures, fishing and camping trips, movie nights, protests, and political events with the group's members and leaders. During much of this time, I was unaware that the people I was meeting with were members of a political movement with hundreds of thousands of members in Egypt and around the world. Although I attended my last weekly Osra meeting, which literally means a family meeting, in December 2010, the Muslim Brotherhood still occupies a considerable chunk of my personal interest, as well as my professional interest as a journalist and a researcher. You're listening to Order from Ashes. I'm Danasi Kambanis, and this is a special season of our podcast called Broken Bonds, the Existential Crisis of Egypt's Muslim Brotherhood from 2013 to 2022. You were just listening to Abdurrahman Ayash, the lead author of a new book about the Muslim Brotherhood, recounting his early childhood as a member of the Muslim Brotherhood community. Today, we're going to be talking on Order from Ashes about Abdurrahman Ayash's journey from a young man in Mansoura, Egypt, uh, to a, a researcher uh, who specializes, among other things, in the Muslim Brotherhood. And this episode is going to kick off a five-part series uh, that's going to delve deep into what's become of Egypt's Muslim Brotherhood, uh, the crises the organization faces, and the implications of that crisis for the Muslim Brotherhood, for Egypt, and for our understanding of uh, transnational movements-inspired by the Brotherhood and and the entire framework of uh, counterterrorism and extremism studies that's misled a lot of people's understandings about the Brotherhood. Ayash, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So in that passage you read from us, uh, to us at the beginning of, of this episode, uh, you were sharing a little bit of what it was like to, to come of age in a, in a bourgeois family in the Brotherhood's uh, circle. Uh, Tell us uh, a little bit, because I think for, for most of our listeners, most of our listeners have no idea what, uh, what that community is like, what it means to grow up uh, in, in the Muslim Brotherhood. And it's such a, uh, you know, it's such a fraught label uh, that has a, a lot of people bring stereotypes and assumptions to it, but, but very few people have any sort of granular idea of what that means. So tell us just what's a, what's a brotherhood child like, uh, childhood like in, uh, or what was a brotherhood childhood like for you uh, in Mansoura, Egypt, uh, in the years when you were growing up? Well, Fanasi, I think it wasn't much different from most of the Egyptian kids at the time. I mean, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, yes, it's a community within the Egyptian community, but it's a community that is cutting through the, the, the Egyptian society from up to down. I mean, meaning poor members all the way up to rich members and middle class and so on. Exactly, exactly. And from everywhere in Egypt. And 
growing up as a Muslim Brotherhood member or, or in a Muslim Brotherhood community in many ways was not different from growing up uh, as a conservative Muslim kid in, in Egypt. I mean, uh, I was memorizing Quran when I was four or five years old in a mosque. It was full of other kids in, uh, of my neighborhood or in my neighborhood. Most of them were never Muslim Brotherhood members, but the teachers or the uh, the, the, the Quran scholars in, the, in this mosque, yeah, most of them were Brotherhood members. And, uh, and in in, in many other ways, it, it doesn't make or it's it's not different from 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 being a normal kid, if if I may say. But the the the, the main uh, difference between uh, this community of of the Muslim Brotherhood is that you feel that you belong to a closer circle, if or or maybe a safe circle of people. That provides you with services and benefits that other kids do not seem to have access to that much. I'm talking about, for for example, when when I grew uh, up in in, in Mansoura in 1993, 1994, 1995, around this time, I I I, I come from. Uh, uh, you come from a middle a middle class family, right? With uh... yeah, exactly. I, I come from a middle class family, uh, and and uh, around me, most of the kids, yeah, we we, we could go to a park. We uh, but but you know to have fishing trips, to have camping trips, and uh, to 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 participate in, in the Boy Scout, for example. All of this actually, it it wasn't easy for for uh, for a kid in, in in a school, for example, to uh, to go independently or to go to independently on on their own. Actually, the the the, the, the community that gave me this um, benefits, I would say, it was the the Muslim Brotherhood community. So this is interesting, and it's, it, it, other. So you, your parents, one of your parents was a school teacher, the other was an accountant. Uh, you know, you're not a rich family, but you're also not a poor family. Other other kids who were sort of equally positioned socioeconomically, socioeconomically, if they weren't in the brotherhood, would they not or not if they didn't have access to this brotherhood network, would they not have been able to go on a camping trip, go on a fishing trip, or get some of these other uh, like? kind of normal youth uh, uh, youth group experiences that you got to got to have yeah it would have been difficult for them to to do that and and part of it is that the Muslim Brotherhood is trying to uh, upbring their kids in uh, in in a way that I wouldn't say exclusive or or to 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 separate them from the the rest of the society but it's like a club you know. So you 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 want to make sure that your kids are around similar uh, or people with similar interests, people with with similar similar plea, beliefs, and and this was the case for me. I mean, it, it's funny, but but I didn't know most of the swear words, for example, or, or any cursing until I was also around thirteen or fourteen years old. After I left my primary school, <laughs> the Muslim Brotherhood led school. Yeah, you were late to profanity because you were in the safe. <laughs> cocoon of the brotherhood community i think so yes yes and, uh, and, uh, and i think most of my <laughs> brothers in a way yeah they uh they did the same and so until you were 13 you were you were surrounded by these other members of the brotherhood you were at a 
a, a brotherhood run school, you were doing brotherhood activities and you were having these weekly usra or family meetings. Um, did you know that these were brotherhood things or like, were these marketed to you as a kid as like, this is a brotherhood school and a brotherhood meeting or, or were you just, were these just presented to you as, as what, how kids are raised without any sort of, uh, branding, uh, around the brotherhood? Not at all. I did not know at all that all of these were Muslim Brotherhood members or all of these activities were organized by Muslim Brotherhood members. And um, and when I realized it was full of drama, you know, I, uh, I, I, I read in a book, for example, and actually this was this was it. I, I read in a book that yeah, Hassan al-Banna founded the Brotherhood and, and I, I, I realized that I know the name and, uh, and it was mentioned to me a couple of times, Hassan al-Banna. And, and the name of the Ikhwan, I heard it here and there and, and the mosque maybe around the house. And uh, when, I, when I started asking questions, actually, I was, uh, I was uh, asked to shut up. I was asked to, to, <laughs> to stop talking about uh, these issues. And yeah, I remember actually um, I tried to speak once to, to one of my close friends in school, an unbrotherhood friend. <laughs> And, uh, and I, yeah, this was the only interesting story in, of my life. So I thought that it would be a good idea to mention to him that <laughs> I, I am with the Muslim Brotherhood. Yeah. And I got an earful, you know, it's, it was not, uh, it was not a good idea. Now he's, uh, he's an officer in the military. <laughs> this is <a> true story. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. wild. And, uh, and so you're, uh, and you're going to these weekly meetings, um, I mean, what are, the, are these like Quran study meetings or these like, like Sunday school style, like morality education? Like, what are you, what are you learning as a kid, as a, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 year old at a weekly, uh, Usra meeting? Yeah, it's all of the above actually. So first, yeah, usually each Usra meeting until I was, I, I guess, maybe 17 or 18 years old, every Usra meeting includes Quran memorizing, includes Hadith, the, the sayings of the, of the Prophet, study of, of the Hadith. And uh, you'll be also just talking about general stuff. I mean, uh, when I was and uh, in, in, yeah, around 12, 13 years old, we started talking about puberty for example and and uh, how to be a good muslim teenager you know and uh, and after that or around the same time also and i i, I think this is really what distinguishes the muslim brotherhood from other islamist organizations or even the rest of the egyptian society is that they introduced me very early to politics but not in 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 the uh, and uh, and the, the you know the sense of, of participating in elections or or uh, running for presidency. No, I was introduced to politics as a way to uh, to 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 carry the responsibility of the Muslim Ummah of the nation of the Muslims. So around yeah, twelve years old, thirteen years old, I participated in my first protests for uh, Palestine uh, and for Iraq and. Uh, and I remember the songs and. and uh, so this is dur- is this during the Intifada of like 2000, uh, exactly, 2001? Exactly. Yeah, and the first war. Uh, sorry, the the Iraq, the Iraq War in 2003. Yeah. So around this time, I, I I was introduced to politics this way. So it was very organic. I, I I'd say uh, it was not 
um, it was not pushed as 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 a concept. No, it was like, uh, have you seen the news? Yes. So, what do you think about what's going on in Iraq and what's going on? What, what do you think about what's going on in Palestine? And and you would talk about this, and we 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 get introduced to uh, to 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 everything uh, through this. And th- th- this is different from other kids outside the Muslim Brotherhood. Even the Salafis or the, um, mainly the Salafis and or other Islamic groups in, in Egypt, they, uh, they refrain from talking about politics. And actually around the time when we, when we were protesting to, to, and I remember this very vividly, when we were protesting for, uh, against the Israeli war uh, on Lebanon, for example, in 2006, a Salafi guy came uh, came out, uh, a long bearded guy, uh, came out in the mosque or uh, outside the mosque where we were having the protest, and he started punching people around. He said, "What you are doing is haram. You 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 cannot support Hezbollah in uh, Lebanon. You cannot. Uh, they are Shia, and and uh, even protesting is haram." And so uh, he, he he means that. Or, 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 or he means that it's 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 forbidden in Islam. It's, it's prohibited to 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 participate in, in protests or to support Shia Muslims uh, by protesting or uh, the, the the Israeli attacks on them. And this is, I mean, the, the, and this is a time that when I mean the the, the time period you're talking about from 2000 to uh, 2000 and uh, and really till 2010 uh, when it it takes quite a lot of. Uh, of determination and and courage to even participate in a in a very mild protest that has nothing to do with Egyptian politics, right? To, to, in Egypt in that era, if you're going to stand and uh, say something about Gaza or or Jerusalem or uh, Israel's war in Lebanon, that or, or I guess the protests against the U.S. invasion in Iraq were briefly officially tolerated, but in general, these are very brave moves that that carry considerable risks, and I guess that reflects. A, a, a really significant thing about the brotherhood community that they were training even their their kids to not be afraid uh, to have a, a a public voice at a time when speaking up in public was not just considered haram by this guy you described who was punching people at a protest, but I would say most Egyptians, secular, religious, uh, Christian, Muslim, uh, atheist, would avoid any public uh, uh, speech at all that, that might uh, trigger official notice and and reaction. Right, right. This is very accurate. But, but the the uh, w- w- one more thing actually to add here is that the, the Egyptian regimes or Mubarak's regimes' response to protests w- about Palestine or about uh, international or regional issues was much calmer and and uh, different from the response to uh, to the protests uh, for political reform in Egypt, for example. I mean, in two thousand and four, if I remember correctly, two thousand three or two thousand four. We uh, the 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 uh, Muslim Brotherhood started uh, participating in political coalitions in Egypt, and they they started uh, forming or 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 um, you know, they started uh, um, calling for protests in different uh, regions in the country, and in Mansoura uh, we had a protest in 2004. Yes, and it. Uh, the, the security forces they attacked the protesters and it was the first time I, I see that I didn't attend the protest myself but one, some uh, a person a Muslim Brotherhood member was killed actually in, in uh, one of the first protests for political reform 
in Egypt in 2004, and and it was very very strange for 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 the Muslim Brotherhood to see that, uh, because yeah, it, it, no, usually, I mean, for example, a protest for Palestine, you would see, yeah, you would see the the security members or the personnel or 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 uh, the, the officers and the soldiers standing aside or, or asking people to uh, to keep calm or, or dispersing the protest by talking to to the leaders of, of the and, and, and the place but not attacking them this way but when the brotherhood called for, for political reforms in Egypt yeah they started attacking them very uh, harshly if I'd say and and yeah well, one of the first uh, deaths and, and uh, among the protests was in Mansoura uh, in 2004 yeah I'm Thanasi Kambanis. I'm talking with Abdurrahman Ayash, one of the uh, authors of Broken Bonds, The Existential Crisis of Egypt's Muslim Brotherhood, 2013 to 2022. Uh, we'll be right back after a short break. Today's world is changing faster than ever. Old rules don't apply and the new rules haven't been written. At least not yet. I'm Rohan Advani and I produce the Order from Ashes podcast at the Century Foundation a leading progressive think tank that promotes peace, cooperation, and equality at home and abroad. On Order from Ashes, we try to make sense of a new international system in which America no longer dictates the global order. Join us as we talk to activists and analysts on the front lines of the most pressing issues in international policy. Welcome back. I'm Thanasi Kambanis. I'm talking with Abdurrahman Ayash, uh, one of the authors of Broken Bonds, the Existential Crisis of Egypt's Muslim Brotherhood, 2013 to 2022. This is Order from Ashes. Uh, you can find our podcast and uh, the book, Broken Bonds, on the Century Foundation's website, tcf.org. Uh, it's an incredible read. Uh, Ayash has been talking about his childhood as a, as a Brotherhood member and what, what that was like. Um, and now I want to ask you uh, about what what happened to you when you were a teenager? So you uh, you said at some point you became aware that this uh, community in which you were cocooned uh, wasn't just uh, happenstance; it was part of an intentional uh, community of of, of brothers. Um, and at some point, uh, you became a blogger. Uh, tell us tell us about what uh, what you did. Your sort of life as a as 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 a young blogger, and uh, and how that fits into your uh into your coming of age story yeah actually i was introduced to the internet also by the muslim brotherhood and um it turned out to be a very sad story for me because uh, the one person a very nice person who introduced me who, who created my first email or helped me creating my first email when i was also 14 years old his name was Abdul Hamid Abdul Fattah, and uh, the Egyptian authorities hanged him uh, later in, in uh, 2019. And uh, yeah, it was it was very bad, and, and he was tortured into confessions uh, of or into confessing of something that he he never did. And uh, but but the the thing is that yeah he introduced me to the internet and uh, and I started writing some sort of diaries on 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 uh, uh, on the internet. I uh, I created a blog in 2006. Um, I called it Al Gharib, and uh, Al Gharib means the stranger, and it's not from. Uh, 
Alper Camus. It's it's from the 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 notion, the Islamic notion that yeah, the the devout Muslims will be very rare in the future. That yeah, they will be the strangers of their times. So yeah, I actually did a blog and I called it the stranger, and I started uh, writing. Uh, and and actually, one of the first ideas as a blogger for me was to create a, a coalition, not a coalition, but but like a, a gathering of the Muslim Brotherhood bloggers to 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 introduce the Brotherhood to the, the Muslim to the Egyptian community. But actually, it was a very stupid idea, and I I I thought. <laughs> thinking about it right after talking to some other <laughs> bloggers because yeah it was the first time ever and this is when i realized that it, this was the first time ever for for us for the muslim brotherhood members to be heard or to be to, to introduce our, to, to give the chance to introduce ourselves to the egyptian community without any prejudice or without any um stereotypes you know we can tell them who we really are and you know by raising the flag of the muslim brotherhood first and foremost yeah it, it would actually uh, let people uh, you know i mean apply their street stereotypes before before even listening to what you have to hear uh, to you to, to what you have to say and and so i i, I stopped uh, this this gathering of of, uh, of the Muslim Brotherhood bloggers, but yeah, we we uh, I I was part of of, uh, of of a movement of bloggers in Egypt. And you were blogging in in Arabic, and if I recall, did you sometimes blog in English as well? Yeah, I I, I did in around two thousand nine and two thousand ten, uh, and that was after actually I joined Ikhwan uh, Web, the English website of the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, I did that in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. And uh, and yeah, I started blogging or writing in English a bit later. But uh, but yeah, we we were talking about everything. And and uh, I, I was again, I was part of of, of the, the the blog sphere, or the Egyptian blog sphere. We were talking about politics. We were talking about social uh, norms. We we were discussing the Muslim Brotherhood and of course the political reform in Egypt. And and uh, because of the the the, the, the dictatorship in Egypt and and the pretty state. It was the, the the main issue. It was not the Muslim Brotherhood, but as Muslim Brotherhood members, me and and some other Brotherhood bloggers, we started also criticizing the Muslim Brotherhood, and and, and try to dissect the 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 ideology or the ideas uh, that the, the the Brotherhood is is, is promoting and uh, and also the causes of the group, and the the. Blog sphere or, or blogging provided me with with an enormous access. I remember someone saying to 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 a family member to a to a family member uh, yeah, uh, that that uh, Rahman Ayash is, is is now able to talk to the Murshid uh, of the Ikhwan, to the general guide of the Ikhwan, the top leadership of the Ikhwan, by uh, if he tweets or if he posts something and uh, by by just posting on on uh, on his website or in his blog, and actually. For a Muslim Brotherhood member in my uh, rank <laughs> to talk to the general guide, I need to go through like 20 uh, members <laughs> just to to talk to to the general guide. We were talking to them, and actually they were responding to us. They were responding to our criticism. They were responding to what, what we had to say about about the group structure, about uh, the treatment of women and Copts, for example, or uh, the treatment of youth inside the the movement. And um, yeah. So, it, so on the one hand, time. on the one hand, you 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 came through this uh, 
sort of acculturation process uh, through your your whole childhood. And on the other hand, here you are as a as a teenager, presumably irritating uh, some of the senior members of this organization by writing your own opinions in public on the internet for the whole world to see and questioning the 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 wisdom and decision makings of the elderly uh, general guides and and uh, uh, decision making council that led the brotherhood uh, so what kind of friction or tension or or, or, or blowback did this create for you uh, when you started? questioning and criticizing uh, decisions like the Brotherhood's official policy, uh, say, uh, to to insist that the president of, of Egypt could only be a Muslim uh, or uh, taking other positions that seemed to be uh, at odds with your view of pluralism and, and, and tolerance in Egypt. Yeah. Um, I was alienated, I have to say. I mean, inside the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, it's not easy to criticize the movement or criticize the leadership. It's uh, one of the main pillars uh, the Muslim Brotherhood is built upon is what we call sam'u'ta, is to uh, to obey, to listen and to obey. And 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 this uh, ju- just to, by criticizing the movement or criticizing some some decisions or some leaders, you would be effectively breaching this. You know, pillar or, or preaching this uh, uh, oath that some some take uh, that yeah, you will be listen listening and obeying the, the leadership of the Muslim brother. So it was not easy, especially at first, uh, and especially around the, the local circles in, in Mansoura. Because after traveling to Cairo and after meeting in person the leadership of the Muslim Brotherhood or or with other also uh, circles and and the capital. Yeah, it's it it feels much more normal, if I would say, to 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 discuss the the bigger issues. But for us teenagers in Mansoura, we why? Yeah, I I was asked a lot of, or I I was asked many times, why are you concerned with with all these issues? I mean, you are here, we are here, we live here. Yeah, and the same happened actually when I started blogging in English. People started to tell me, "Who do you want to address by this?" And and yeah, I got many criticism, or I many many people asked me to to stop writing about the Muslim Brotherhood because yeah, I'm putting the the whole movement in danger by by doing so. So, but 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 I have also to say that a very few number of people and inside the Muslim Brotherhood or very few Muslim Brotherhood members they they tried to really listen to what we, we we had to say and actually they encouraged us to do so and uh, uh, and, and I, I think that at some point w- w- without the insights of, of such people uh, who had higher ranks inside the Muslim Brotherhood or who had higher positions inside the movement I think many of the Muslim Brotherhood bloggers wouldn't have made it wouldn't have uh, gotten the, 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 the reality of, of the movement because we, we when we, we, we were posting about the movement we, we needed information and, and the, the available information that comes through the, the official channels it, it was it was manipulated so you 
you just you just you describe a sort of remarkable meeting uh, between Mohamed Morsi, the future president of Egypt, uh, when he was still just a senior Brotherhood official, uh, and a and a group of young bloggers. Uh, t- tell us wh- wh- when that happened and, and what what happened at that uh, at that session, because I think it it presages a lot of uh, a lot of what unfolds in your later work and and, and study. Yeah, of course. The, the, the meeting with uh, Dr. Morsi, it happened in 2007, in October 2007, actually. And it was uh, just a few weeks after the Muslim Brotherhood released their platform. Morsi was the head of the political uh, affairs inside the Muslim Brotherhood. He was the, the, the guidance bureau member or the, the, the highest ranking member inside the Muslim Brotherhood who is overseeing politics uh, in the organization. And, uh, and uh, Dr. Morsi and his team, they produced a party platform uh, for the Muslim Brotherhood. Of course, the, the, Mus- the, the, the Egyptian regime or Mubarak's regime was never to allow the Muslim Brotherhood to create a so, political so this party. So was, this was a very polarizing, a polarizing move by the Brotherhood to publish uh, a political blueprint at a time when it was an illegal underground organization uh, with no official political wing. So wh- why did he invite a group of young critics from within his own organization to come and meet with him? Yeah, because, you know, at some point, everything I tweet, I posted on, on my blog, uh, newspapers was was taking it and, and uh, spreading it and publishing what, 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 what I said personally and, and many others. And I, I wasn't the most famous. Actually, I was not at all the most famous uh, Muslim Brotherhood blogger. I was maybe one of 10 or 20 people who are uh, writing and who who, who were uh, you know, were being heard somehow at the time. But uh, I don't know why the, the uh, chief of staff or, or the secretary of, of Dr. Morsi at the time, he reached out to me and he asked that Dr. Morsi wants to meet all of us to convince us or to, to just to listen to your uh, to our concerns and, and to our uh, criticism. And of course, I was very happy to do so. Some others refused the inv- or rejected the invitation. Um, but yeah, we, we went there and actually it was a very, it was not a good meeting, I, I had to, <laughs> have to say. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we, we started off by Dr. Morsi talking for like an hour or something like that about general notions, about Islam in general, about the, the Muslim Brotherhood as an idea, as a group. And he did not touch upon what we had, uh, what we came here to discuss. This wasn't, the, this wasn't the opening move of someone who actually wanted to hear your criticism. This was a lecture from the person you had criticized. Yeah, you, you know, we were like, you know, maybe 15 people, two, two of us were women, and, and one one of the women actually left to uh, left after like 30 minutes of Dr. Mursi talking. Later, she ended up working with him in the presidency. That's another story. <laughs> but the, the, the thing is that, yeah, I mean, we didn't like what, what he was saying. And, and actually, after all, he said that if you don't like what we are here, uh, what, what, we are, what, what we are providing or what we are offering, yeah, you have the space to leave and create your own group or create your own or work for Islam or work for Egypt as, as much as you want, but outside the Muslim Brotherhood. So he, actually, said, he said, like it or leave it. Exactly, exactly. And I think all members of the Muslim Brotherhood who attended this meeting, maybe all but one are out of the group right now, are out of the Muslim Brotherhood. So that interaction yeah. and, started yeah. started you thinking about, about walking away from this community? Right. 
I, I was thinking about uh, a lot of um, problems with the, with the movement or with the ideology of brotherhood, but I thought that the only way to solve these problems is to work from within the movement. But when I saw the leadership represented by Dr. Morsi talking about uh, about these uh, ideas or about uh, or not not being able actually to 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 self criticize at all, yeah, I thought that no, it won't be. There, there won't be a. We will not be able to do anything inside the movement. And and that personally, I have to leave. But I have to say something here that I didn't decide to leave the Muslim Brotherhood, or I didn't officially leave the Muslim Brotherhood until we had a, a real opening in Egypt. Because actually, at the time in 2007 or 2008, if I left the Muslim Brotherhood, I will be nowhere. I mean, yeah, there were some groups like April 6th movement, for example, uh, or, or uh, some political parties, but all of them were very far from 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 most of the Egyptian people. So when you say you would be nowhere, you, you mean you, you would have no other place to have a political voice or a political outlet? Exactly, exactly. The Muslim Brotherhood provided a political voice and a political outlet and a community and and i cannot stress the community enough it's uh, it was very important for for me personally to 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 still be around the these people or or the people that i uh, i share ideas and and i share childhood with them yeah and uh, but after the revolution this changed so you left you left the organization in 2010 on the eve of the revolution, uh, and what followed was a very quick period of transformation, change, and then authoritarian relapse, right? A popular uprising, uh, a revolutionary year, then the very same Mohamed Morsi, who was not interested in talking to his internal critics, became briefly uh, 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 an ineffectual and failed president of Egypt, and then he was overthrown in a coup in the summer of 2013, followed by one of the deadliest massacres, one-day massacres in Egyptian history on August 13th, 2013 at Rabah Square, uh, where about a thousand uh, Brotherhood supporters were, were killed in one day. Um, so how, how what, what happened to you and, and how did you end up as, uh, as what you are today, which is a, a uh, a researcher uh, and, and uh, an author of a new book and uh, a sort of well-regarded uh, like uh, think, think tank and academic uh, uh, young thinker. Yeah. So uh, after the revolution, actually, I started, uh, although I studied computer engineering in Egypt, I, uh, the revolution uh, yeah, made me realize that, yeah, I can do other things too. So um with the revolution, I started working as a journalist. I started working as a fixer with, with foreign journalists in Egypt as, as a translator as well. And uh, it introduced me to, uh, to the Egyptian society in another way. And, um, and I started knowing more about, uh, about Egypt uh, that I, I never did before. Uh, and with the revolution, I started also to travel around. And, uh, and at some point, I thought that, yeah, we will be able to even give our <laughs> revolutionary wisdom to other countries like, I don't know, Yemen, for example, or Libya. Yeah, and uh, and and after that, I yeah yeah, and I went actually to uh, to to work for uh, for some humanitarian organizations on the Turkish-Syrian borders, 
around 2012 and 2013 and that's where uh, I ended up being um, so uh, I uh, after the, the military coup I was so afraid to go back to Egypt many of my friends died in Rabat uh, and uh, Yeah, the the 14th of August. It was, uh, I think, it was the the worst day of my life. Many, it's um, uh, m- many people died, and and nobody seemed to care. And and I'm talking only about Egypt. I'm talking about about the 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 international community, you know, and. Um, And I think it's important also to note here that yeah, that this kind of victimhood is what keeps the Muslim Brotherhood alive, or is is one of the things that keeps the Muslim Brotherhood alive. That yeah, the the uh, they are going through a lot. Anyways, I left Egypt in uh, in July 2013, just one day after the military coup, to work in this humanitarian organization or for this humanitarian organization in Turkey. And uh, and after a few months, I realized that uh, I will not be able to work also uh, uh, on the Turkish-Syrian borders, after, especially after uh, the, the, the emergence of ISIS. So uh, I started this website in, in, in Istanbul. It was a news website. We started it off with some friends. So uh, after that, So I started writing about uh, about, of course, other issues, uh, not only Egyptian issues, but but also uh, issues about Turkey, about the Middle East, and the Muslim Brotherhood has been the dear issue to my heart, or an issue very dear to my heart. It's uh, it's not all only because I know the group, but because I really believe that in this region of the world. A political party that is having Islam as part of its program or as part of its core uh, indoctrination, yeah, it has to have a place in 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 the political space in uh, in our region, whether in Egypt, whether in, in in other countries, and of course the polls and the votes are are, are good indicators for for that. So I believe that. Writing about the Muslim Brotherhood, it's not only beneficial for the outer world to understand the group, but it also could benefit the movement to correct its mistakes, to reform itself from within. Maybe they will be able to, I don't know, to to be in a better shape, uh, to to do some good stuff for the for the community and and for the countries they are in. I don't know. Yeah. I'm Thanasi Kambanis. You're listening to Abdul Rahman Ayash, one of the authors of Broken Bonds, the Muslim Brotherhood, Egypt's Muslim Brotherhood from 2013 to 2021, a new book uh, that's available for order on the Century Foundation's uh, website. And uh, we're going to uh, wrap up this episode of Broken Bonds, and uh, you can stay tuned. On the next episode, we'll be coming back to uh, Ayash and his two co-authors and hearing their take on what came next, what happened to the Brotherhood after the military coup in 2013, uh, and why we should care uh, about the the crises that that organization has undergone in the decade since uh, the coup that overthrew Morsi. Uh, Ayash, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you, Fanati.
You're listening to Order from Ashes, Century International's podcast, and this is a special series called Broken Bonds, The Existential Crisis of Egypt's Muslim Brotherhood, 2013 to 2022. This was the first of five episodes. Uh, we heard from Abdurrahman Ayash about his personal trajectory from a brotherhood childhood uh, to his current life as a researcher in exile. And on the next episode, we'll be hearing from Ayash, along with his co-authors, Amr El-Afifi and Noha Zat, uh, about the uh, triple crisis facing the Brotherhood uh, and why we should care. Thanks for listening. Until next time. The Order from Ashes podcast has been brought to you by Century International. Our work builds on more than 100 years of commitment to international peace, security, and governance at the Century Foundation. We are independent, critical, and progressive. For more information about Century International's work, please visit tcf.org or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We depend on audience feedback to reach new listeners. If you like what you hear, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts.